Welcome to episode 8. Um, this is going to be a very different episode. It's not going to be a traditional interview like I typically do. Uh, I wasn't even really planning on doing an episode this week. I didn't even really want to make content out of this. I heard yesterday that over the weekend, one of my favorite people of I've ever met, one of the nicest people I've ever met, the best host I've ever met, my friend, chef and owner, DK of DK Sushi, passed away. Uh, like I said, I didn't really want to make content out of this. This is more a tribute because all I've really seen since since um, the family announced his passing is just a, a Reddit feed of people sharing their stories, and that's really cool. Go check that out if you're at least interested. But um, but he was such a huge figure in the Austin scene and such a legend and such a generous, uh, decent person that I think that there should be at least some tribute out there to him. And I was fortunate enough to know him personally. I was also fortunate enough to be able to film his legendary Thursday night karaoke's, which were unhinged and and raunchy and crude and and just like just uh, completely completely crazy. They just they went off the rails all the time and uh and uh so I guess I'll just get into it. And in, in January of 2020, I had just finished the first issue of Peon and I was planning on doing a second issue with the theme of of cults because I I tended to see that there were like so many uh like cult like figures in food it's um it's still an interesting concept that I could think about a lot but but the main focus of that issue was going to be a documentary of those legendary DK Thursday nights and so I had no way of reaching out to him. I didn't even know him. I, I'd the first time I'd ever seen DK was uh, ten years earlier. For my twenty-first birthday, I went to DK's Sushi South, uh, which was his first location, and it was the it's this tight, cramped little like hole in the wall that's decked out like a Japanese I don't even know like it's 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 got it's got uh it's got the tatami rooms and it's got like a couple tables and you're supposed to take your your shoes off and he set up a little stage in the center of the room and there people would sing karaoke and he would just berate them uh, but we'll get into that later and it was so unique and it was it was it was crazy and it was insane to also have that as my, my 21st birthday. I went there and um, and it was packed, absolutely packed. And we're talking about like 80 people in like a like 400 square foot area. It was madness. And 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 the second DK walked in, <laughs> he was in this bright red, like neon red suit from head to toe. Uh, which he was kind of known for at that point and just blew the fucking doors off. It was insane. It was insanity. It took forever to get your food. And of course people complained about it, but you're talking about two sushi chefs doing at least two to 10 rolls per table for, for like 80 people. It was, it was absolute insanity. 
uh, from a service perspective. But then on top of that, DK would would also just create complete chaos. He would he would give sake bombs and and just create this like explosive energy and this and this party atmosphere. He would get people to sing who had no intention of singing. He would he would get like groups of people to come sing and and then he would just blow out the front door and say any any you gay boys who want to smoke a cigarette you follow me outside and then uh, like the whole restaurant would go outside and smoke a cigarette with DK and you had to take your shoes off to get in this the place and everybody's drunk so they just go out go outside with their shoes off and smoke a cigarette with DK and just just to be around him no one really like some people would talk to him but he, he, there were so many people you couldn't really get to him and there are crazy stories that uh, I'd love to sort of to get from people, but he was just in, like crazy and, and unhinged, and, and everybody just accepted it. It, it. it was it was it was wild. Um, but I always kept that in my head, and so when I was planning out that issue that never happened, which I'll also get into, uh, he was the first guy. I was like, it's got to be. It's there's got to be something about DK. Like no one's ever documented those Thursday nights. And I never, uh, some people have documented it. You can find them on YouTube and they're, they're grainy and they're terrible. Cause they're like from, you know, 10 years ago and the quality is terrible, but also nobody really focused on DK, which I always found kind of weird. Like people did go to DK's Thursday nights, karaoke's to see DK, but he was kind of like almost in the background and for me, he was always the attraction. There was no other reason to go there. I personally hate karaoke, but to sit through the karaoke just to hear DK uh, incite some sort of crazy party was was amazing. It was insane. So when we were when I was getting that issue together, I I had no way of getting to DK. I didn't know him. I asked a few friends, and I think I was talking about it at uh, a previous restaurant I was at, Fukumoto in in Austin, and it turned out that the sous chef there at the time had previously worked with DK. And I, so I got his number through uh, the chef there at the time. And lo and behold, he got back to me and he said, he said, yeah, uh, come down. Let's, let's, let's talk. And so I went up to his North location and he had, he had transferred the Thursday night karaoke up to there at that point. It was a bigger room and it was a little, it had a lot more seating and things. So it had a lot more room for people to move <laughs> and get crazy and things. Uh, so I went up there and I talked to him and, um, he, I think I taught, I prepared a speech for like two or three days. I was really nervous. I thought that he would definitely like, he would definitely, uh, uh reject me. But at least if I had explained exactly what I wanted to explain about my lofty ideas about peon magazine and, and how, I thought his performances worked and stuff like that. Then he would he would definitely let me bring some cameras in. But he turned out to be totally opposite. I think within the first five minutes that I met him, he's like he's like, okay, that's that's enough. Yeah, you can you can do it. And then we went outside and we smoked cigarettes. And he he told me about how he was he always thought about kind of documenting the Thursday night because at that point he was already thinking about retiring it. He was. I don't know how old he was at that point, but he he had he had he was thinking about just just giving it up because because I I don't even remember the reasons, but he wanted to get more into uh, to go sushi. He didn't really tell me much about what he was going through in in that aspect, but 
I do remember we had a great conversation. I think I, I planned on a 10 minute meeting and I, and I stayed there for like three hours. He was so uh, welcoming and nice. I, I, like I said, we smoked cigarettes and we, we talked a little bit outside and uh, he, he, you know, made fun of me a little bit, which I fucking loved. That was great. But he was nothing like on stage, I mean, to a certain extent, but he was so nice and welcoming. And and after a little bit, he said he asked if I was hungry. He was cooking fish for their family meal that day. And he sat me down at the corner of the bar and he he fed me like we barely talked. He just kept feeding me food. And he was he was like, are you still you want more? Are you hungry? And and I, I really wasn't hungry at all, but I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to say no. So that was, that was amazing. And, uh, and I think within like the next two weeks or a month or something like that, uh, me and my friend Keaton brought some cameras in and, and we started shooting Thursday nights. And, uh, I think we told him that we were going to document him and then, and all the other, the karaoke, uh, singers, but we had no interest in that. We tried to keep every single thing about him. We kept the focus on him we only recorded him. I don't know if I didn't tell them him that, or if maybe if I was vague about that because I thought maybe he wouldn't be into that. But that's what we did. We just decided uh, we wanted. We only cared about filming him. We did three nights in total, and and it's so weird to look back on because January twenty twenty uh, to March or May of twenty twenty is, uh, as everybody knows, when the pandemic started. So the first one. He injured his he injured his foot, which you'll hear in some of this, some of this uh, these clips. So he comes in in crutches, always wearing a suit, always dapper as fuck, wearing a suit, and uh, and he comes in in crutches, and he was joking about how he'd gotten hurt because he tried to kill his wife, but his wife's a ninja, so she ended up beating him up. And, uh, and he also joked about using the crutches as weapons against anybody, any sort of, uh, drunk person. So that was a weird night. He was on painkillers and he's a little bit loopy and he's drinking shots of sake, the sake bombs, and he's drinking sake with us. And he's, um, he's drinking sake with like regulars that are hanging around. So he's getting, he's got, he's on painkillers and alcohol at the same time. He's getting loopy. He's getting wild. And then the second night was when was when kind of COVID was kind of take, taking off and it was getting a little more um, news coverage and people being a, a more aware of it. So there was there was a little bit smaller crowd, but you could tell people were still wild. They still wanted they wanted to go out and uh, they still wanted to get a little crazy. And so there was like, you know, covers on the mic, like disposable covers on the mics and things like that. And then the third night we did it, it was the even less people. So, and that turned out, I didn't even realize this till I'm saying it, that turned out to be the very last Thursday night DK uh, karaoke. Um, so we have that on tape. We have some footage of that. And it was very amazing to be a part of that he was so welcome welcoming in in there as well like i don't think we paid for a single drink he would not let us pay for anything even though every time we went in we got sushi and we bought we we 
we tried to uh, we tried to tip the servers and we tried to pay a bill, uh, tried to go get around it in some way, but he wouldn't he wouldn't have it. Anytime he got off stage, he'd come up to us and ask us if we need another drink or just just ask pull the servers aside and make sure you're you got something to eat, you're getting something to drink. And like that first time I met him, I didn't we didn't really want to you know say no. He was the kind of person you you always wanted to say yes with because he yeah, he was just so welcoming and nice. And then during the pandemic, we sort of tried to morph the idea because we knew that 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 wasn't going to happen. Obviously, uh, at that point, I think we were trying to get him to do um, Thursday night karaoke's like on Twitch, which would have been a wild, that would have been a crazy, uh, wild time. But his 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 instinct and and probably the correct. Uh, instinct was was that it wouldn't work without an audience, and we kept telling him like, oh, we can like have people like call in and 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 sing karaoke with a phone and stuff, but that might not have worked, and um, and that's that's fine. I think we just desperately wanted to ha- spend more time around him because, oh man, I forgot about that. There was a right right after the third show, the last one, uh, as far as I know, it's the last one he had a party at his house and we, and we went and, uh, we were sitting there in his garden smoking weed with him. This is right when the CDC was telling everybody, you know, uh, be careful about, uh, um, you know, sharing drinks and, and, uh, and, and talking too close to each other. And here we are in his garden. We're all sharing like a a vape pen, a weed vape pen. And, um, it was great because we were just sitting there talking and, um, talking about if we were worried about dying and if we were worried about the illness and and stuff. And he, he didn't seem too bothered by it. He's like, he's like, I've seen it all. It's, it's whatever. Um, uh, but so welcoming and nice. We, we just stayed at his house and drank beers. He, he fed us all. He, he just loved like making food for you and then just giving it to you by hand. Um, and, uh, and then during the pandemic, like I said, we tried to get him to do a couple of things. We tried, or his idea also was that we should write him some sort of stand-up, and that would be kind of like his his goodbye to the Thursday nights. And as you'll hear, this no, there's no way that any anybody, let alone us, could have gotten into his head and created something that sounded anything like him, you know, but. Um, that didn't end up happening. It just, um, COVID, uh, killed Thursday nights and and it was appropriate time for him. He said to to retire, uh, he said it was just kind of like a coincidence that he wanted to retire and then COVID shut down all the restaurants. So he just stopped doing it. And then due to COVID, his North restaurant shut down. They just, they just couldn't make it through the pandemic. And, uh, I tried to contact him a few times during the pandemic. Um, I mean, I had my own shit going on, but I try, I tried to keep in contact with him or at least reach out every once in a while and he would never get back to me. So I kind of kept my distance for like a year. I didn't talk to him. And, uh, and then finally, I don't remember, I think it was just uh, me and my friends and we were, we were joking and, and, uh, and we were saying like, man, should I invite DK or something like that? Because he was always somebody we we talked about and we thought about a lot. And so I just texted him out of the blue. 
earlier this year and wildly he got back to me and he said we should come down and eat and we made a reservation and we ate at his restaurant sure enough the first thing he asked was do you guys ever finish that film about me and we're like no yes like the can the pandemic fucked up everything so we didn't even get to finish that who knows maybe uh, i definitely want to get get that footage together and do something with it but you'll be hearing the audio of that stuff uh, in this in this episode but he again was so welcoming he hadn't seen us in years and he immediately it was like we'd never never stopped talking for a second he brought over with yeah without even without even saying hello he brought over sake bombs and he was sort of mad that that my girlfriend was late because there was we made a booking for four and, and she there was an empty seat and he always hated if people uh, booked a table but then didn't show up but i was like no 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 she's just that uh, she's at work she's coming she's on her way and um and so we he comes over and we drink sake uh, bombs like it's like his hello. And within within 10 minutes, he invited us on his boat. And like like I said, like we'd never, never stopped talking to each other and never, never stopped being friends. And he just kept sending out food. And it was it was incredible, man. And uh, and we did end up going on his boat. We cooked, we cooked food on, on his boat and, uh, and hung out and he like dragged us with the inner tubes and, uh, he told us stories about his, about his life in, in Austin when he first got to town and how he met his wife and how he fell in love with his wife and, uh, and these crazy, crazy stories about, yeah, about, about finding love and uh how he became DK and why he did you know Thursday nights and all the wild shit he got into and uh yeah it was that was uh that was incredible ah what a loss um um so what i got for you today is just kind of a, a um a little tribute to to DK and just to just to get his voice back out to the world one more time. Uh, the way that uh, his Thursday nights worked were that you booked a table and the whole draw again was karaoke. But again, for us, it was never karaoke. Never give a shit about karaoke. Never sang karaoke once at his Thursday night karaoke's. So you went to his show. And at the very beginning, he did a little monologue, something like this. Hola. Hey, badasses. How are you, Austin? <laughs> I love that energy. My name is DK. I'm the founder of DK Sushi. And uh, I've been serving you guys 28 years in Austin, Austin only. I'm feeling good about it. The reason that we, I designed Thursday night, just say thank you. Not just thank you, come again. Like, thank you, I'm going to fucking party with you. <laughs> Once a week. You guys, the Austin inspires me. It's just, Austin's badass town. You guys are badass. And don't you ever forget that. You're just fucking badass. You live your life. And we live our life 
We're gonna duke it out together. We're gonna have a have have a badass party. You know, I convince myself I'm badass every day. <laughs> then, uh, then I walk out of the house. I have a skirt on. I'm like, what the fuck? Is my pussy hurting right now? But you know, you still you still gotta live your life. You know, you still gotta duke it out. What the fuck are you gonna do? Lay down and smoke that bong all day long? They don't pay you. <laughs> it's gonna cost you a shitload of money. So I lay that thing down and, and convince myself I'm badass. So we are a badass party tonight. And somehow you will convince yourself you're not badass, you let me know I'm gonna kick in the pussy. Again and again. Until you realize, oh, I'm a badass. Trust me, life is badass. No matter how rough it is, I go through rough shit all the time. But it wakes me up. Just wakes me up. I'm, I'm living. I'm alive. I'm a fucking badass. I'm gonna live my life. Yeah. And we're all gonna do that. You are the star tonight. I'm just your extra. And you perform. You DK Sushi, uh, Thursday night karaoke. We've been doing this shit for a long time. And, uh, and I love the support that you give us and my family, my kids. We, we love you guys. And I love Austin. And uh, it's my town. Don't fuck around. By the way, anybody from out of town? All. Have a great stay. Uh, don't think about moving in. Austin population full, over full. I just, you know, I, since I have a show, I can communicate you people. Don't know, please. Whoever stay in here, don't go nowhere, stay, but don't come in. <laughs> full, full, full. But I had that moments like, yeah, I'm a fucking badass. Yeah, I might be not be like a big horse, but I can kick your ass. <laughs> you know, three inches go like 10,000 miles, 10, miles per hour is badass. We break things. <laughs> Lay down there, bitch. <laughs> so who has a sexual problem? I mean, I don't know what kind of uh, patients comes in and ask you, like, a uh, doctor? Oh, shit, I'm banging this chick, and she's dead. I'm still not coming. Is that, is that what it is? <laughs> that Asian guy. <laughs> I'm like, patient, I got the same problem. We got to talk about this thing. Who has a sexual problem? Oh, <laughs> And you are banging each other, right? Yeah. Try butt. <laughs> or donkey punch. <laughs> I, about 10, 15 years ago, I heard somebody kill this guy, kill this chick, donkey punching. I'm like, what a dumbass. Just whisper to her, hey, your sister was better. <laughs> Tied him up, baby. Talk. Communication, much, much better. <laughs> Austin, thank you again. Appreciate it. Wow. But I'm having a great time. I'm really, seriously, that Austin gave me everything I got. 
This is the party. I just want to be different. I just want to thank you my way. And uh, this, this is cool shit. <laughs> I like it. And Austin has a great energy, great people. No other town I can do this shit. I'll probably get shot <laughs> and get killed. But uh, Austin, I can express myself. And, and some people trust me, they're going to fucking hate me. And if you like me, yeah, I love you too. But if you hate me, I cannot do shit about it. What the fuck am I going to do? You don't like me, you know? <laughs> I mean, if your wife don't like you, fucking divorce her. So, we all karaoke tonight. You got to sing. We got a bunch of songs, and I'm glad. Um, when you come up here, you perform. You have sex with the microphone, and you do come. I mean, you just, you're, the, you're the star. You think about it. You are performing in front of 80 people. And we have a best audience in Austin. It's all focused out here. So, I mean, nobody in the United States does what I do. We just have a great time. But you got to have a great time. You got to have a badass good time. God dang, look at that Hooters. She's going to fall down and hurt somebody. Um, tomorrow, whatever, you do whatever, but tonight, you with me. I'm going to party with you, and you're partying with me. And um, I took some Advil's, <laughs> two of them this time, and ibuprofen, I'm ready for you. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to drink too much tonight. <laughs> it, might, it might go backwards. But I do want to drink a couple shots with you guys. Uh, birthdays? Any birthday? Okay, stop freaking out. You need to calm the fuck down right now. Only birthday person, lift your hand, please. One, two. What the hell? Two gay boys? Any, bo any more? Where? What the fuck? This never happened. Three gay boys, birthday, one Thursday. That's, that's kind of, wow. I'm in, I'm in trouble tonight. So give me four sake bombs, one for me. We do this. We give you sake bomb on your birthdays. When you sing, we're going to give you sake bomb. If you don't want a sake bomb, just let us know. We get some another gay boys to drink it for you. <laughs> don't, don't get mad at me saying gay boys and lesbians. I just tell, I tell my wife you're lesbian. So <laughs> I just do that. <laughs> oh, by the way, we have uh, cameras everywhere going on. They want to do some fucking stories about me. And I said, go ahead. <laughs> the name of magazine is a peon magazine. I love the fucking name. And this is going to be second issue. They're lazy people. They're going to do two issues a year. I'm like, then... I, I just love to help the startups. You know, I, they need somebody's love. So I'm just giving to them. Uh, birthday people coming out. I know we got little problem with the cameras and all that. Let's ignore them. If we somehow trip over, break it, let's not worry about it. We're not going to shut the party down. Uh, birthday gay boys coming out. Yeah, you guys, uh, you know, phone numbers and shit. Huh. 
Wow! Shut up! I'm not hitting on you. I'm gonna fuck you. Yeah. Oh no, man! You think Saki's gonna make you ass all tight? Tighter? My ass is tight. It's still virgin. I fucking cut it quarter inch at a time. Okay, so <laughs> you like that? Yeah, ching dick. It's so funny because uh, I've gone down to one issue a year, and so I wonder if, if he'd be, he'd think I'm even more lazy because I, I, I just, I'm just trying to put out one issue a year. <laughs> I don't know. Oh man, I love hearing that. But then what happened next was if you sang or if it was your birthday, you got a sake bomb. That was just part of the show. And oh, <laughs> I don't know who doesn't know what a sake bomb is, but here it was. It was a little glass of sake put into like a little quarter pour of Kiranichiban beer. And the whole crowd would get into it just like this. Okay. Say loud. Uh, happy birthday, gay boys. Uh, I hope you get something going together. Love. Well, watch me. I'm going to drink two more. And I'm going to bring my English back. And it's going to be okay. A uh, funny thing. Every time I go to Wendy's, which is I don't often, but lately, you know, I cannot grab a, a plate to make a plate. So I go to Wendy's and just drive through and get the food. And they cannot understand me. Every time, this third time, they could not understand me. I need to find out what the fuck's going on. And then part of the, the draw of singing karaoke there was that it was part roast. So DK would roast people in his, in his own way, in his unique, unhinged joke style. And it was, it was something that people always ex- expected. You know, if you were going to go to DK, you might get picked out of the audience. And definitely if you sang, you would be rewarded with a sake bomb and a thorough berating. <laughs> you know, normally we don't let fucking Led Zeppelin plays here. And who wants to hear five, six minute song and... But uh, he slipped, he told the DJ that he can, he can, he can do it. <laughs> Come back, cute little stupid. The beauty and stupid don't go together, only blondes. Don't do that. Whatever, next time, next time you bring that, you take. Viagra. You, you are losing some stamina here right now. You pop that Viagra and push it all the way. I thought you were... I didn't know there was a fucking song that I knew. And I, later I'm like, I know this song. Peons. How the fuck did it come up with the name Peon? The magazine is all about restaurants. Trey. Oh, there you are. I saw you in 1997 Gable Magazine front cover. Mr. Trey. Huh. 
Wow, how about those line dancers? You, do you know you little bitches are in chink territory? What the fuck? Wow. Them cowboys and girls are taking over chink territory, you bitches. You look good though. Why are you not drinking? Why are you spending money? What the fuck's wrong with you? Get off my stage. Non-lesbian. So this guy goes, uh, whoever buy, lift your hand. <laughs> we call that omnivore, eat clam hot dog, clam hot dog. Oh, I love this song, don't fuck it up. If you fuck it up, I'm gonna have sex with your grandmother. All right, gay boy number two, huh. And at the end of that clip, it's funny that that song he mentions, his favorite, one of its, his favorite songs is Creep by <laughs> Radiohead. Because obviously part of his character on that stage was like a creepy old man who would have sex with your grandma. And, and, uh, and you'll also notice that uh, he uses the term gay boy a lot and lesbians. I don't really know why. I really, I really don't. I just, that was a term that he always used, and that was the ultimate compliment, being on the cover of any year of the Gay Boy magazine. I think me and Keaton got on it one year. I can't remember what year. I think it was, I think it was 2003, but <laughs> he, he actually got in trouble for that one time. He told me, he said, uh, he said the Austin Gay Alliance, I believe it was, contacted him and said that they were going to boycott his shows and and um and also like protest outside and but he didn't stop saying that i i, I don't remember the exact reasoning but he it, it, there's there's nothing malicious in it he's like he's just being silly you know and that was just that was just part of his 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 stand up routine <laughs> just it made it made people chuckle it's a funny word gay boy and 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 uh um so I hope people don't get upset by that. It's um it's just a fucking joke. Um and then if a crowd was especially good, he would gift them with his art. Someone asked me uh to put porn up. We don't have we don't have a porn here, people. I'll show you my porn is nothing like what I got. What we got, I mean. I think porn you have to have at least two components together. Hot dogs, clams. I, I don't want to talk about hot dog, hot dog, but, you know, they're like, they talk shit to each other. Grab their hairs and I'm going to scare you, baby. I think we got to go to the next level of this energy. Normally, I show boobies. Not normally. No, no, no. Very abnormally, I don't show. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, the fun crowd, I'll give you a present, the boobies. It is not a porn, and, and I'm pretty sure some people is going to bother them. You might not like it. If you don't like it, please don't fucking look at it. It's pretty simple. And what he meant by that, really, uh, at these shows anyway, was um, 
it was like softcore porn. It was like women in lingerie and like, and just like close-ups of tits. It was, it was ridiculous. And I think one time, um, some of the footage we have shows it that like the, it shows the date that the, um, that the, the mix was made, which was like 2014. So it was like a six year old mix. Um, and then, uh, he was playing it off of PlayStation three, which I always thought was funny. Uh, just cause it just is, it's just ridiculous. Um, but it used to be much, much more, uh, hardcore. Um, I think when I went, Oh, for my 21st birthday, there were, they were playing like 1980s hardcore porn on the TVs. And he'd be like, he'd be like, you're in such a great crowd. You get the titties. And then all the TVs would come on and they would all be playing porn while people were singing like Disney songs. And and it was, it was insane. It was unhinged. It made no sense. And it was, it was, it was amazing. And everybody in there was, was just part of it. There was no, everybody's just down for a good time. And when we met him, uh, these shows were also pretty tame. Like they used to be way crazier. Like he had to, I don't know if he had to tame them because like, like I said, the Austin Gay Alliance was getting upset or, or that customers were getting upset or that he was just getting older and he just kind of wanted to tame things down or that the, the whole zeitgeist around cancel culture and, and, and the kind of words that you use kind of, uh, toned him, him down. Uh, I don't know what it was, but, um, when we started filming him, it was much, much, much more tame. It used to be really crazy. And at the end of every show, he would always play YMCA. Why? I don't, I don't know. It might've, might have something to do with the, the theme of, of, uh, everybody in the audience being either a gay boy or a lesbian. There was nobody that wasn't in the audience. So leaving on YMCA kind of just made sense, I guess. And he would leave like Elvis. He put on YMCA and run out of the room and leave everybody in there just continuously partying. People would run up to the stage and, and grab the mic and, and just all the tables would get up and start dancing. And all of a sudden no one knew, no one realized that DK was gone. It was just the, the host of the party had just vanished. It was insane. Cause he had incited this party and then just disappeared. And, um, I think we asked him one time why he did that. And he was just like, I just, I just want to go home and, <laughs> and leave everybody to party. And sure. And we do have footage of that which is wild. Um, but, oh man, yeah, this is a, this is a tough one for me. I'm not going to lie. Um, God damn, I'm really, really, really going to miss that guy. I wish I'd spent more time with him, but you always regret, you know, stuff when it's gone. So yeah, this one, uh, this one hurts, but uh, I will say that uh, at the beginning, when I started editing this episode, I was I was crying, but now I'm uh, I'm in a much better mood. Seeing him make everybody so happy, uh, it's it's great. It, it makes me feel uh, just as good as it did when I you know would see him live. So it's not a replacement, but it does, it brings some joy. Hopefully it brings you some joy as well. I don't know what else to say. 
I just wanted to get all this stuff out there to make sure that DK is remembered. A lot of people in Austin know him. Um, there's a lot of people who in Austin who don't know him and will never know him. So maybe one day we'll get that footage out there. But until then, I wanted to uh, make sure that he's he's still out there and people can hear his voice and his uh, and his unhinged comedy routine and uh, and remember him in some way. I'm not sure what else to say. Here's DK doing his own outro by singing his favorite karaoke song. I'm going to sing a song for you. And uh, I'm pretty sure I know that accent from me singing is really fucked up. I don't sing in English, but tonight I'm going to do it for you. Thank you.